Money FM 89.3. Best of the evening runway. The weekly wrap on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good evening. It is the evening runway. I'm Elliot Danker. Time now to take a look at the headline that's got our attention this week. COE premiums for the open category breaching the 150,000 mark at the latest tender exercise. This ended on Wednesday to close at an all-time high of $152,000. So that means that the premium for the category, which can be used for any vehicle type except motorcycles, has surged 5.09% over the $144,640 record set at the previous tender. This, by the way, is the fifth consecutive time the COE category has broken its record. It's caused prices of COEs to skyrocket over the last few years. What exactly? And perhaps it's time for the government to review this system. On the line to help me out is Walter Fitzera, Associate Professor, Economics and Headmaster of Management, Urban Transportation Program, Singapore University of Social Sciences. Professor, good afternoon. How are you? Hey, good afternoon. I'm good. What a situation we see ourselves with COE premiums for Category B crossing the 150000 mark for the first time in the latest bidding exercise. I had a friend post on social media that might as well wait for 200000 before he decides to buy a car. How do we get to this place, Professor? Yeah, so the reason why we have such high COE prices right now is that we're actually at a very low part of the COE supply cycle. So basically what happens is when a COE is issued, people tend to keep the car associated with COE for about 10 years, which is the lifespan of the COE. And it's only when you scrap the car, then the COE goes back into the pool for re-auction, right? And so right now, we have very few COEs being issued at auction, mainly because 10 years ago, there were very few car COEs also being issued. And this happens basically during the earlier part of each decade, there are very few COEs being issued. And when you have very few COEs issued and a lot of money chasing the COEs, that's actually Actually, when you've got very, very high prices like what we're seeing right now. Wow, thank you so much for that explanation. Then, is it safe to say that my dream of owning a car is just something I need to put on hold for now? It's not something that's fading away. Yeah, so if you're somebody who wants to own a car, if you buy a car right now during the low supply period, you tend to pay very high prices. But if you can hold on just a little longer, like let's say if you can hold on until the end part of this decade, then chances are you'll be paying lower prices because that's when the majority of COEs will be actually coming up for auction. And the reason for that is all those COEs were issued in the later part of the 2010s. They're mostly attached to more mass market cars, like, you know, all your your Japanese and Korean cars, yeah. and those car owners are going to be replacing them at somewhat lower prices, I'd say, than what we see right now. Okay. Well, thanks very much for that explanation, uh, Professor. Although I can imagine people listening would be going, yeah, well, I'm not really willing to wait till the later part of the 2020s. Questions around the COE system and whether or not it should be looked at. I guess, at first glance, what's your opinion of this? Yeah, so I think the COE system has been very successful, obviously, at uh, controlling the overall vehicle population in Singapore. But I think with time, it's become increasingly clear that there are some aspects of the COE system which may need some revision or at least some looking at. So, so some of the issues would be, first, I think, this uh, COE cycle issue, where in some years you have very little COE supply, in other years you have much more supply. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense, I think, because, after all, the underlying demand for cars and the use of cars doesn't 
change and wildly over time. So that's one. Another issue I think to look at is basically the vehicle mix because you got CUEs divided into the large and small cars and also modified good vehicles. But you know the ratio of the mix uh, is not something that I think is exactly supported. I think by what's the real needs of the economy right now. So I think this is something we also need to take a closer look at. So those are just some of the key issues I think for now. What about ride-hailing apps and cars associated with that? Does that disrupt the COE system in any way? Yeah, so ride-hailing is, uh, is an interesting problem. That's because, you see, in the long run, ride-hailing and taxis actually help to reduce demand for private car ownership. That's because, you know, a, a ride-hailing car or a taxi is on the road all the time. It's reducing a lot more uh, transport services than a privately-owned car would. So it would reduce demand in the long term. But right now, in the short run, of course, if a big fleet owner wants to expand their fleet, they are, in a sense, directly competing with private car buyers. And so that's why you get this short some pain right now, but in the long run, without you know these private hire vehicles and so on, there would be much higher demand for cars, and therefore the prices would on average be higher. So that's mm. the problem. Mm. But Professor, I'm a big believer in incentive, right? So I'm wondering on these couple of incentives whether or not it can be factored into a review of the system. Incentive number one being the social issue of having families. Perhaps we're trying to encourage more families, more kids to be born. What about that? Or what about electric vehicles as we move? I, I know there's vehicle control where. COE is concerned, but we are trying to move into this more cleaner, greener uh, sort of environment. Could that be a factor? Yeah. So let me take the issue of the families first, right? Okay. So I think you look at the COE system, it has always had some design elements trying to cater for the different social needs of a car. Uh, that's in fact why we have the split of the cars into so-called, you know, big and smaller cars uh, based on engine power, right? Okay. The thinking behind that was to try to differentiate between more mass market cars and the more luxury and performance cars. But what we've seen over the years is that essentially the prices, even for the uh, smaller car category, theory prices have gone up tremendously. And a large part of that is, I think, because of rising affluence of Singaporeans, but also because, you know, all the luxury car manufacturers started making cars, which yeah. fit nicely into the so-called small car category anyway. So that's one issue. Mm. Uh, I think the broader issue, right, with uh, managing uh, different social demand for cars is to recognize that uh, car ownership ultimately is something which is a fair middle to upper middle class feature in, in most places anyway and actually if you really want social equity you've got to invest uh, in public transport right because yeah. public transport is actually the thing that's the great leveler here and that's where you want to put in most of your effort so you know basically my, my view is uh, I think it's a bit challenging to give special concessions just for families and other groups like that. It's something okay. we can look at, but we have to remember, if we do such a thing, we have to police that a lot. That's yeah. going to be the biggest issue, you know? Yeah, so it's not quite possible to have a transportation system that targets usage versus ownership. It, would that kind of a model somehow uh, work? Yeah, so uh, it's interesting you mentioned this because originally when the, um, okay, so originally when the ERP system was yeah. first expanded, created and expanded, the uh, argument then was that with expanded pricing for roads, we would have some leeway, you know, to gradually increase the COE quota over time. And in fact, in the late 2000s, vehicle COEs, car COEs were actually expanded quite considerably back then. This is also when, you know, more ERP gantries are going up. The problem is that we realized over time this policy was 
kind of untenable because, you know, you couldn't manage, I think, congestion with the technology yeah. safe at the time, perfectly just with ERP. Today, with new ERP2 system, there's a possibility of doing this, but I have to warn that if we really do move towards congestion controls more, the price for driving on the road will probably have to go up quite a lot. So if, if we have more people own cars, that's fine, but we will shift the price eventually to, you know, to, to ERP charges. And so people might, you know, might not like that either necessarily. Yeah. Okay. So ERP 2.0 may not be the answer, Professor. It's my final question. And I'm sorry to sound a little doom and gloom, but based on the trajectory, does it mean that we have to embrace the reality that owning a car will be considered a luxury in future? Well, I think in Singapore, there are a couple of ways I think we can go from here. We could go towards expanded car ownership, but with expanded car ownership, we would have to greatly increase the charges for using a car because when you use a car, you know, that's when you cause congestion and, and social problems. So people would still pay a lot, but more people would be owning yeah. a car. Or we could uh, just, you know, keep investing more and more in public transport so that the number of Singaporeans who say, I got to own a car to, to survive in Singapore, right? We want to make the number as small all as possible. I think that's probably a more sustainable solution. All right. I've been speaking with Walter who is Associate Professor Economics and Headmaster of Management Urban Transportation Program, Singapore University of Social Sciences. Professor, thank you so much for your time. Take care and have a great evening ahead. Thank you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.